It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Faster my crazy day, my pack commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com and CBS Sports Dot com networks. We're pretty well loaded up for an off-season show, but an hour after I posted yesterday's podcast, Sam Shields announced via his Instagram account that he had been released by the Packers. The Packers had made that announcement later in the day. And I put up an interesting piece over at Packer Report um, comparing Bart Starr and Tom Brady, since everybody in the world now says that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, and he very well may be, but let's not forget Bart, shall we? But before we dive into those things, a reminder to please check out the rest of the great Locked On podcast network, which includes Locked On NFL, Locked On NFL Draft, a couple of new hosts with Locked On NFL Draft, including John Ledyard, I think does a terrific job. So I'm not sure when his podcast debuts, but he does really, really good work. I'm excited to hear his show. And Locked On Fantasy. And of course, check out my work over at PackerReport.com. I've got stories yesterday on Shields, the aforementioned video on Star versus Brady, and I need to finish up my position-by-position uh, position review series because I've also started doing my scouting combine research series. It's about time to get into draft mode on my end of things. We'll lead off with the release of Shields. No surprise there, right? First of all, you, you worry about the guy's health, and, and that's what Mike McCarthy said in the season-ending press conference. Gosh, it was two weeks ago already? Holy cow, time flies. You know, you just worry about Sam being Sam. Five concussions in his football career, four at the Packers, including one late in the 2015 season that cost him four games, and then the one in last year's season opener, which cost him the final 18, if you include the postseason games. Sam's a really good player. Obviously, obvious statement there, but... Man, at some point... You, you worry you worry about the guy, and you you you, you pair that with the with the salary eight million dollars of base salary, another million dollars in bonuses. It's nine million dollars. The Packers wiped off the books for salary cap purposes. The only thing that he will count for is three point one two five million dollars worth of dead money. But again, the Green Bay saves nine million on the cap, and he added the three million from James Starks from the. Release of Starks the day before. Green Bay adds $12 million of cap space there up to, according to OverTheCap.com, who I think does great work. If you're, if you're interested in cap stuff, and whether it's individual players or or uh, analysis pieces, or just flat out where the Packers stand cap-wise, OverTheCap.com does great work. Um, of course, it's all projected now because the cap has not been set. This is based on a projection of $168 million. Green Bay is $42,995,000. I kind of did a little bit of running there. So basically they have 
million dollars of cap space. Seems like a lot of money, right? But even at that, the Packers rank 13th in available cap space. Sort of nothing to sneeze at. But it's not like they're top five. You know, top five, you're, you're talking, you know, the team with fifth most space is Tennessee at almost $65 million. So, but that certainly helps when you've got Nick Perry, TJ Lang, Jared Cook, that 2013 draft class of, of, of Dayton Jones, Eddie Lacy, um, I think JC Treader's probably gone, and Micah Hyde. It's a lot of firepower that you've got to keep. And of course, maybe, maybe comically, I'm going to say maybe Ted Thompson will actually go sign one this year. It's a it's not a good group of free agents. We'll, we'll, we'll get more into, into that here down the road, but it's not a good group of free agents. But you know what? It never is a good group of free agents. You know why? Because here we are, three weeks before the surf free agents, whatever it is, and if you take the middle of the pack team on, on salary cap money, that's Detroit. They're 16th in the league in cap space. They're $36 million under the cap. So all these teams have a truckload of money. In fact, one, two, three, four, five. Only five teams have less than $20 million of cap space. Only five. So all these teams have all the oodles and oodles and oodles of cap space. And that means they have truckloads of money to sign their own guys. And this is why I tell people every year, let's go sign some free agents. Well, there, are, there will be some. I mean, you know, in, in Atlanta signed some this year. And obviously they got a lot of bang for their buck. Um, but Atlanta, the, the Atlantas of the, of the, of the world are, are the exception for agency. Oftentimes is fool's goal. And I have written that story every year at pack report. And I will write it again this year going through that. The teams that spent the most money in free agency and what it meant win, wins and losses wise. Hell, look at Jacksonville signed the most, spent the most free agent money last year. They went from like five wins to three. Congratulations. So, look, again, I'm not against it. I think Thompson needs to maybe consider it more than he does. But I just, you know, I go back to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport had that tweet a week or so ago about how the Packers are expected to be more active in free agency. Well, a couple of my colleagues in the beat looked it up, but he, he tweeted basically the exact same thing. I assume there are corresponding stories at NFL.com, but I didn't look that part up, but. He said the exact same thing the past, at least the last two preseasons. And nothing has come out of it. But, and, and this is why. I mean, teams have a lot of caps. There are so many teams that are so well run, and Green Bay among them, that you keep your guys. You keep the guys that you want, and the only guys that get to the free agency are the guys that you really don't give a crap about. With some exceptions. I mean, it takes two, to sign a, it takes two sides to sign a player. But... Anyways, I've gone way off tangent here in Shields. The point is Green Bay's got $43 million of cap space. They also have among the fewest signed players, too. They have 47 players in their contract. So they have a lot of work to do. Only two teams have fewer, Atlanta and New England. And I think once those teams sign their uh, practice squad guys to futures deals, I think Green Bay will then be at the bottom of the league. In, in player signs. So Ted Thompson's got a lot of work to do. He's got the money, but he's also got a lot of work to do.
As for Shields, I mean, look, he'll be missed. Let's let's not let's not pretend otherwise here, right? Entering the league as a undrafted free agent in 2010. Without him, the Packers probably don't win the Super Bowl that year. He immediately became their, not immediately, but pretty close to immediately became their number three corner and played a lot throughout the season. If you include playoffs, from 2010 through 2015, only Richard Sherman intercepted more passes than Shields. Shields had 23, tied with a few other guys, including Tremont Williams. But Shields had 23 picks. Only Richard Sherman with 28 he had more interceptions than Shields. Shields misses all of last season, and, and look what happens. The defense goes to hell. Because Demarius Randall isn't ready for prime time. Quentin Rollins isn't ready for prime time. It's, you know, everybody had to move up a peg. You know, you go from Shields being the number one guy and Randall two and Rollins three to Randall one, Rollins two, and then of course then of course, then of course those guys get hurt and Ladarius Country becomes number one. I mean, look. You go from Shields to Ladarius Gunter as your number one cornerback, and you wonder why your pass defense sucks. So, Shields was a terrific player. He just couldn't stay healthy. Last year was the seventh in the league. He, in seven years, he had never played all 16. He had missed 17 games in his first six years. That's about three per season, and obviously you tack on the 15 from this year, and that runs that total to 32 in seven years. Shields wants to play, and I told you this after the Super Bowl. You know, maybe I didn't. When that the Super Bowl, the NFC Championship game. I think I probably told you this. After the NFC Championship game, uh, me and Rob Domoski are, are, are walked out of the press box, down 18 flights of stairs at the Georgia Dome to get down to the, the bowels of the building to get to the Packers locker room. And, and there's Sam Shields walking away from the locker room. So me and Rob... Grabbed him, and Tom Silverstein, who was behind us, jumped in. Shields wants to play, but you know we we talked for a couple minutes. We we we've got to get to the locker room, so we we got we got to cut this short. Um, t- um, Silverstein asked Shields if he's got c- concussion symptoms, and he said yes. And Shields at the time said, "Some days it's tough headaches, some days it's mild. It varies. I never know." Listen to this line. I'm so used to it that it's just normal. How scary is that? Each day it's getting better. I'll be back. He said he wanted to play again. We wrap it up. And we all turn for our recorders. And we each, you know, at that point, just exchange some pleasantries with him. And I, and I, and I tell Sam, what are you doing? Because I, on the record, I asked him, why would you want to play? And after the recorders are off, I, what are you doing? And as I, as I told him, my course, you've got more money than God. I don't know much money God's got. I, I, I probably shouldn't assume those things on either front. I, shouldn't probably, I should, probably shouldn't assume that Sam's got a lot of money either. But look, they, they, he's, he's made a lot of money. He's got a family. What are you doing? You don't need to play the game. And, he, and you know, basically, he's, ah, well, and he's, basically, give me the same answer. When I asked him on the record, why would you want to play? He said, I understand why you ask that. I don't know. I just love the game, man. And I feel that I can get back out there and play. If not, then not. But right now, it's just day by day. So, won't be with the Packers. No, and no surprise. And 
And it's obviously a gigantic amount of salary cap money. He had a $12.125 million cap charge for the season. I mean, you just can't pay that much money for a guy if you don't know he can play. And I wonder if he'll get a shot elsewhere. Because he's a terrific player. Brings a lot of experience, a lot of veteran savvy. But the concussion is, is that big butt in the room. And I, I just wonder if someone else is going to take a chance on him. And so, you know, personally, again, like I've said, like I've, like I know, actually, I know I've talked about this on the show. You hope that he's got people in his life that say, Sam, you don't need to play. Think about all the stuff going on around you, all the good things, you know, and think about your long-term safety. You hope he's got people like that in his career. I know his agent is Drew Rosenhaus. I hope and Drew's, a, Drew's a persuasive guy, and I hope Drew's got Sam's best interests at heart. Fortunately for Green Bay, it's a really good cornerbacks class. I started doing my scouting combine research series yesterday, and um, that, that won't be public for publication here for, for quite a while um, because the salary, or the uh, the scouting combine invite list has not been made officially yet, and I don't want to publish it in disguise or whatnot. But I, I just started off, I mean, I don't know anything about these guys yet, and I'll do my own research and get my own player rankings and stuff here down the road. But just looking at the uh, the player rankings over at cbssports.com, put together by um, Rob Rang and, and Dane Brugler over there. Um, corners, really good. Guy knows the Packers need some. But I'm, I think I've written about 15 corners so far in the last couple days. And those are like uh, guys projected to be in the first two rounds alone. So it's, it's a deep cornerback class. And Green Bay is obviously going to need to tap into that. I mean, there's no way they can possibly go into the season counting on Randall Rounds and Gunter to be the guys. You know, they may very well be. They, may, they all could take a step forward or several steps forward and, and be those guys. Which you can't expect that. I would expect Ted Thompson to, to invest heavily at corner. And you catch a big break there because there's a lot of really good corners. And, that, and a lot of bigger guys, too. You know, guys who are in that six-foot range. You know, Green Bay doesn't go for... I mean, Green Bay hasn't... Green Bay has not historically... You know, made the reach for those six foot two guys. They, they really seem to like five eleven, five eleven guys who can jump, and five eleven guys who have ball skills. There seems to be a lot of those kind of guys in this draft. I mean, you know, a guy like Desmond King of Iowa, who's measuring at five tenth the Senior Bowl, he he will almost certainly be off the Packers' board. There are not a lot of guys like that that I've gotten to so far. So that's a that's a positive in Mike McCarthy terms. For Green Bay, they somehow must figure out how to replace Sam Shields after totally failing to do so this past season. There is more to me, Queen Eliara of Elfgard, than my elven magic. Just as there's more to Geico than saving you money, Geico also gives you 24-7 access to licensed agents online, on the phone, or on the Geico app. And while I am a mighty elf queen, I am also a mighty big fan of barbecue potato chips. Minions! More smoky mesquite. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. All right, Bart Starr versus Tom Brady. Tom Brady being held as the GOAT, which is the acronym for greatest of all time, after winning a fifth Super Bowl on Sunday. And you know what? You can't argue against it. 
I'm going to anyway. Actually, it's not really an argument. It's This is more of a, <clears throat> let's not forget about this guy over here and this guy being Bart Starr. Star won five championships. Two are Super Bowls. The other three came before there was a Super Bowl. Hey, championships are championships no matter what you want to call them. Bart was pretty damn good. How good? Here we go. If the idea is to win football games, Bart did pretty well for himself. He won five championships. He played 10 career playoff games. And this is remarkable. In today's era of football, pass rating is through the roof. Back in the day, pass rating, not a big thing because teams threw the ball downfield, interceptions happened, you know, completion percentages weren't great. Looking at the year 2000, or 2000, Jim and Christmas, 1966, for instance, the average league passer rating was 64.2. Just let that sink in, 64.2. Aaron Rodgers this year is 104. And there are probably a dozen guys in, in at least the 90s. And then, you know, so, you know, the average league pass rating is up, what, 25 points? So keep that in mind. Bart Starr's career postseason pass rating in an era where 70 is pretty damn good. Bart Starr's career postseason pass rating, a laughable 104.8. Just um, let that sink in and let this sink. That is number one in NFL history. And again, again, in a pass-happy league where a pass-rating day of 90 is eh, not too bad. That's this era. Star the best all-time in postseason pass-rating, 104.8. Tom Brady, pass-rating, 89.2. That's talking playoff, playoff pass-ratings. Let's go through some of Bart Starr, shall we? Bart Starr, 15 touchdowns. He played, he taped, played 10 postseason games. 15 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. A 5-1 to one touchdown-interception ratio. Tom Brady, 63 touchdowns, 31 interceptions. A 2-1. to one, Well, 2.0 something, but who cares? A 2-1 to touchdown-interception ratio. In those 10 career postseason games, Starr had a pass rating of at least 100 six times. In 34 career postseason games, three with a 100 rating 12 times. So you're talking Starr at 60% of his games were at 100%. Brady, a little better than a third. Starr had two bad pass rating games in his postseason career. One of those, the 1962 championship game against the Giants, which, no offense to the Ice Bowl, might have been the coldest game ever played. That was at Yankee Stadium. Uh, It was 16-7. The Packers won. They they ran the ball, I think Jim Taylor carried the ball 30 times on a concrete, hard Yankee Stadium with a brutal wind chill. His other big game was against the Browns in the 1965 championship game here in Green Bay. That was a mud pit. If you go back, if you're an older older person, you know, if you've you know, older person or you bother to check out highlights, whatnot, 
Just go Google that game. I mean, just look at the pictures. It, Lambeau Field is a total mud pit. So those are two stars, two bad pass rating games. Brady, unbelievably cut. There's no, I again, I am not uh, dismissing Brady here at all. Brady is as clutch as they come, just like at the Super Bowl. You want clutch? Bart Starr is pretty clutch. Obviously, Starr had a great defense throughout his career. But the 1965 NFL championship game at Dallas, the forgotten championship game against Dallas. Everyone talks about the ice ball. This is a legendary game here, too. Green Bay wins 34-27. So Green Bay needs points to beat the Cowboys. And by God, they got them. Because Bart Starr, in a championship game, 19 for 28, 304 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, a 143.5 pass rating. So when they needed to start to have a big game, he delivered in overwhelming fashion. Then the next year is the ice bowl. The Packers need a touchdown drive to win the game. Do or die, miserable conditions, and Starr gets it. Game-winning touchdown drive to beat the Cowboys in the ice bowl. Bart Starr lost his first career playoff game. What is next nine? Against the creme de la creme of competition, he went 9-1 with nine consecutive wins. Brady's postseason record, again, nothing to sneeze at. It's terrific here. 24-9. Again, I'm, of, course, of course, I am totally cherry-picking stats here to back up an argument. There's things that Brady did better than Star. Again, this is not a... Um, Criticism of Tom Brady. And it's not even really saying that he's not the greatest quarterback of all time. He very well may be. And I say this just because I just did compare them. But you really can't compare quarterbacks who played, you know, 50 years apart. But I did anyways. And I think Starr holds up favorably here. Because of his terrific pass rating in an era where pass rating was, was terrible. So, and then, you know, I put this out on Twitter and Jay Sorgi from WTMJ Radio responds to it. I'm, it's on my phone. I got to dig it up here, so I'm going to stall here for a minute. I was going to look this up myself because I, I wanted to compare pass rating um, from today to yesteryear. In 11 seasons, Bart Starr's career pass, I'm talking regular season now. Obviously, his, his career pass rating wasn't any good at all. Starr's career pass rating was 80.5. That he could just sit in a bench in today's modern era. So his career rating is 80.5. Brady at 97.2. So basically, you know, 16 and a half, 17 point difference there in Brady's favor. But, and I was going to look this up, but Jay Sorge did the work for me. Strahr's career pass rating is 15.85 points better than the median per year pass rating during his career. Brady, in his 15 season, his pass rating is 13.24 points better. So I think that adds great context. And basically, you know, two and a half points better, Star works out in that. So if you just compare Star versus his peers and Brady versus his peers, Star works out as a more efficient quarterback than Brady regular season wise. And he flat out is the more efficient quarterback compared to Brady in playoff games. 
So keep that in mind. The next time it says that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, remember this podcast and throw some of this stuff at whoever is saying it. That person might be right. Tom Brady might be the greatest ever. But we have seen it so often that stuff that happened in the past, eh, you know, ESPN was created in 1979. When HD, I have no idea when, when high-definition TV came out. Ten years ago, whatever it was. In a way, nothing that happened before those things happened. You know, everything is, anything that happened, if, if ESPN doesn't have highlights of it, and more specifically, color highlights and HD highlights, it didn't really happen. Nothing really exists. You know, it's like, you know, the, the Bart's, it's like the tree falling in a forest. It, it, if no one heard it, did it really fall? Did it really fall? It's kind of like Bart Starr. Does his career really exist if he doesn't show up on ESPN? So, and it happens so often that everything, everything that happens now is better than anything that happened in the past. They just don't forget about Bart Starr. Just because he didn't win five Super Bowls doesn't mean he didn't win five championships. Bart Starr is one of the greatest all time, and it's unbelievable to say this, that a pro football Hall of Famer, a five-time champion, a four-time pro bowler, and a former MVP of the league can be underrated. But by God, Bart Starr is underrated. And somehow, everything that happened in the glory years era, it's Vince Lombardi. It's Vince Lombardi, Vince Lombardi, Vince Lombardi, and Vince Lombardi was such a great coach that he won with a bunch of ragamuffin guys. Well, Brady's got Belichick, but no one considered. To me, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but to me it seems like Brady and Belichick are considered um, co geniuses here. Well, the glory years players, it's Lombardi. It, may, it you know, ultimately maybe that's true, but again, just. When people go on about Tom Brady being the greatest of all time, just remember Bart Starr won five championships. His playoff sets are superior to Brady's. When you compare peers versus peers, Star, even Starr's regular season stats are better than Brady's. So am I, am I saying Starr's a better player? No. But it's worth this kind of, I think it's a terrific conversation. And, a, and, and it's helpful to re- recall, especially for you younger people out there, for you younger whippersnappers out there, back when I... Actually, that's enough of that. Just don't forget about Bart Starr, okay? All right, everybody. That will do it for this episode of Lockdown Packers. Thank you for listening. I sincerely appreciate it. Have a great day, and I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team.
Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.